Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 329 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is The Line Boss. It's an interview with Heather Gray. My name is Pastor Dan Price. And I'm Matt Sabatel, and I'm so honored to be here today with Pastor Dan Price, who is on episode 183 of our Tick Bootcamp podcast, which I highly urge everybody to go back and listen to. Today, we're talking to Heather Gray, who is a brilliant, brilliant young woman who shared so much powerful information on how to heal from chronic Lyme disease. I was sick with Lyme disease for about five years and went through a journey of a few of those years being undiagnosed and coming out on the other side. It's exciting to be here today and to hear another story of hope for those that are struggling with this disease. Heather does that so well. And uh, she's a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner who's learned so much about how to heal her body and how to help others do the same. So Pastor Dan, without further ado, here is the brilliant Heather Gray. All right, Heather Gray, welcome to the Tick Bootcamp Podcast. It's so good to have you on today. Thanks for having me. It's so exciting. Absolutely. Uh, well, first, we just want to start with uh, some basic questions, some background. Uh, where do you live right now? Uh, what do you do? Can you explain a little bit about who you are right now? Yeah, absolutely. I'm in Loveland, Colorado. Um I'm a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. I know it's a mouthful, say that 10 times fast. Um, And I have a practice that's uh, geared towards Lyme, mold, and autoimmune help because after my journey with it for 27 years, it was actually kind of funny. Uh, The first year and a half I was in business, I was actually focusing mostly on um, autoimmune and mental health. I didn't even touch Lyme because I was like, people were like, Heather, isn't Lyme your story? And I'm like, yeah, but have you met a Lyme person? Like they're complex. They're kind of, they can be needy. They can be broke. I mean, it's like, what? I'm like, I didn't want anything to do with that. And then I swear I had like a God smack moment about seven months ago where I literally woke up and was like, Oh, it's time. Like it's, it's time. Like I, I was given this gift, right. Of being on the other side. Like, how can I not be a beacon for others? So that's when I started the whole rebranding thing. And actually I'm in the middle of rebranding right now as the line boss. And, um, I'm really actually excited to step into this and the people I've talked to, um, since I've niched down have just made my heart so happy because the majority of the medical world has gaslighted them. They don't feel valid. They don't feel like they've been seen. And, you know, here I'm one of them and I'm also a practitioner. So it's, it's been a, it's been an awesome blessing. That's amazing. It's, it's cool to hear where you are right now and and looking forward to hearing how you got to that point where um, this is your passion and this is what you're doing. Um, Can you tell us where you grew up? Did you grow up in Loveland or somewhere else? And, And what did that, what did growing up look like? I was born in North Platte, Nebraska, um, okay. lived in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So all the really fun places, um, but not, you know, places that you would think, uh, you know, uh, it, uh, I caught Lyme disease actually when I was living in Missouri for one year or misery, like I like to call it. Um, <laughs> growing up was, was, was tough. I, uh, I tell people that I was basically born constipated because my, uh, my uncle had killed himself when I was four. And, um, that started, thank you. It started off, um, I think my, my health journey, right. Right off the bat of, of, with being constipated and all kinds of things. And then, you know, you fast forward into your teenage years and you got some early childhood trauma and uh, some addiction going on in the family, you know, all that other fun stuff that comes along with it. And that kind of made me like a perfect host. So when I did get bit by, you know, a tick when I was 13, 
you know, I, I was just this, this, this mess of already had an autoimmune disease that I didn't know I had celiac runs in my family. I've got this early childhood trauma and then, you know, cue the, the tick, you know, and it was just like the perfect storm when I, when I got bit, I didn't start showing symptoms till about two years later uh, with my first suicide attempt. Mm. Wow. That's, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot there with your childhood. Um, was, can you explain, I don't want to um, you uh, speak on, on things that you don't want to speak about, but um, I am depression an open that, book. Okay, here we go. I really, I really am. I am an open book. There's nothing that is off topic. With that suicide attempt, was that caused after um, you had Lyme after you think you got infected by yeah, Lyme? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that and so many years of, of undiagnosed celiac disease. So a lot of us know that, you know, our brain is like our, our, our gut is our second brain, right? Yeah. And so, so many years of having a dysfunction in my gut, um, probably malnourished, inflamed, you know, and then, and then, like I said, you add the tick on top of it and it was just too much. That was the the tipping point, I think, in my, in my health history where um, it really affected my gut and my brain. And from what I've been told from a lot of folks that like juvenile Lyme cases have a tendency to really hit the the gut and the brain pretty hard. Yep. Well, it seems like Lyme and co-infection seem to attack weakness in the body. And so if you already have some things going on, your brain's still developing and all that, is a, uh, a perfect storm for uh, there to just be uh, for the line to attack you. Um, so getting into that, like, when did you first, when do you think you first developed Lyme? How old were you? And, and what did you feel? What symptoms did you have? What did that look like? Uh, so yeah, 13, I was, I was bit by a tick uh, when I was 13. I remember coming home from the lake and I was showering and at the time I wore glasses. And so I took my glasses off to shower and I saw something black on my belly, but I couldn't tell what it was because my I was blurry. And I got out of the shower, put on my glasses and was just horrified. I was like, yeah. And my mom at the time took it out of me the way that you're not supposed to, right? She took flame to it lighter, you know, so then it regurgitated, you know, whatever was in its, its system. Um, but, you know, of course, I didn't develop a bullseye rash because, as we know, only like 30% of the population developed that rash. So my mom was a nurse at the time, and that's why she wasn't concerned because at the time she thought that, you know, the only way you have to worry about Lyme is if you get the rash. So tip comes out, you know, I move on with my life, supposedly. And then it was about, like I said, about two years after that, that um, I, I, I ended up in the psych ward for the first time for a suicide attempt. Um, and leading up to that, did you have symptoms that not uh, really, not really, no, not really. Um, shortly after that, you know, I started getting the Lyme knee, you know, um, joint pain, massive chronic widespread pain that, you know, that migrated and changed. So every time I go to the doctor, they just thought I was crazy. They put me on a new psychotic, you know, antipsychotic, antidepressant, pat me on the head, thought I was attention seeking, you know, the whole nine yards, you know, very typical story in that sense. Heather, can I, can I jump in real quick? I just want to ask a question on this because the mental health aspect of tick-borne illness is not discussed enough and there's such a stigma around it so first of all thank you for being so open and honest and vulnerable about your experiences there but many people have reached out to tick boot camp offline about the suicidal ideations that come along with tick-borne illness and many of them express that they just think it's never going to get better and they just want to end it and their suffering will never end so i just i just want to reaffirm because everybody knows our views at tick boot camp is there's always hope you can get better but from your experience when you uh, you know, when you had that suicide attempt, 
looking back, I mean, did you think that there was no, no light into the tunnel, no way out and now being through it, can you just share, you know, I know we're kind of jumping ahead here, but to share that there is hope and that people that are in the midst of it now should listen to your words, have hope and hang in there and keep fighting because it can and will get better. That absolutely. I mean, that's even part of my tagline. I'm the line boss and underneath it is there is hope. Like if there's one thing that I can, I, I can do is inspire hope because, oh my God, like <laughs> I'm going to try not to cry. Um, I, cause I love that you let me bring this piece into it because this is like the part that I am most passionate about and more pissed off and angry because this world has got us so stigmatized so I'm a, I'm a health practitioner and I was working for a health company two years ago and I was having a moment and on um, social media, I had posted earlier that day that I had a dark moment, but this is what I did to pull myself out, right? I meant it to be an inspiring post. They saw it and they fired me. They fired me. And really, I probably would have a pretty decent lawsuit uh, if I chose to go that route, because I, I I just don't see how it's any different than somebody getting diagnosed with diabetes or cancer, you know, but they said, because I was working for a health company, it looked bad, you know, on them to have me talk that way. But there was three other people that work there that were actually quite a bit overweight, not just a little bit overweight, but like overweight. And I'm like, how is that any different then what's going on with my brain? I'll tell you, it's not, it's not, it's not any different because when I'm healthy and my body is not inflamed, my brain works fine. It's when I'm inflamed. It is a physical manifestation, just like diabetes, just like cancer, just like fill in the blank. Right. So absolutely. There's hope. There were times, God, I used to think about suicide 15, 20, 30 times a day right? Like you can't say that out loud because guess where you're going to end up. And when you go there, you're not going to get any help because most of us folks with Lyme disease, we react opposite to the kind of medications and the other things that, that work for other folks. Right. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've been to the psych ward twice in my life. Um, but have had to be talked off the ledge. I can't even, I, I've lost count. I mean, hundreds and that, that breaks my heart more than anything is because like my husband now, um, he should never, you know, a loved one should never have to hear that from their loved ones that they don't want to be here anymore. And Heather, I'm so sorry that you've had to go through this, but I, again, thank you for being so open and honest and vulnerable. I do want to ask, cause a lot of people listening, as you know, most of our audience is uh, consists of people that are going through the experience. Some of them are at the tail end. Some of them are at the beginning. So people are listening and that are in that stage of their healing journey right now where they are having the neuropsychological manifestations of tick-borne illness, like these suicidal ideations that we know are temporary, but when you're in it, feel permanent. If you had to look back at your younger self, what advice would you give yourself and give the listeners now to give them hope and give them that, that drive to keep going? You know, what can you, what, what advice can you share with our listeners to give them that hope? Because it seems so impossible when you're in it, but once you're through it, it seems so clear, right? And if you could just give us some more insight into that, please, for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that's probably why it felt so hopeless for the first, I mean, 27 years before I got, got diagnosed is because I didn't even know what was wrong with me. Right. And I would go and look and people would tell me there was nothing wrong with me. Your labs look normal. Right. Like if I had a dime for every time I got told your labs look normal. Um, but obviously I'm not normal. Um, but yeah, so geez. Um, once the hope piece would be not to absolutely not to give up. And if you're not finding the help that you need where you're at, you keep going, keep digging, keep digging, keep digging, keep digging, 
keep digging because the answers are there. They are out there. And 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 places like you folks and and spreading that world that word far and wide, you know, that's that's what this is all about. That's why I do what I do. That's why I put my neck on the line and and say and and, and share my journey the way that I do, even though I got fired and I still am putting myself out there. I actually had another practitioner who didn't want to hire me because they said the same thing that the stuff I'm saying is inappropriate. I'm like, what? Because I'm real? Like, come on, folks. Uh, but um, the hope is absolutely don't give up. Like I had to learn the foundations of health and that is what I teach folks, right? Because, you know, all the talk therapy in the world is not going to help you. All the treatment in the world is not going to help you if you go out and then eat McDonald's and inflame your gut and inflame your brain, right? So it's this whole, it's this holistic picture. You can't, and I think that's the part about this industry that really pisses me off the most is that most people are just focused on the treatment. How did you treat? How did you get better? No, no, no. Do not. I'm going to interrupt real quick because you're saying it's hitting home for me personally here, right? When I was so psychologically, you know, impacted and physically impacted and literally I was like couch bound, right. And having paralysis, I had family members bringing me, you know, Wendy's Frosties and baked, you know, baked, uh, you know, banana bread and things like that. And I, I, look, I didn't know any better. And here I am just making myself worse. Right. But that in itself is a major tip to people. Those things are triggers that will, that will amplify the neuropsychological and the physical symptoms of tick-borne illness. Right. And I wish I knew that when I was going through the throes of it, because it's really, really powerful. And, you know, I thank you for bringing that point up. I, I keep interrupting you and I apologize. And no, Dan, no, no, Dan, that's Dan, fine. Dan is going to continue to walk you through your journey, but this is really powerful stuff. So thank you. Well, and I I know better. I should be leaving pauses for the conversation to happen. And but I've just gotten so excited and fired up that I just keep talking. So no, please interrupt me. I apologize. Um, uh, so yeah, where were we? I think uh, yeah, the advice that you're giving your younger self. Um, is oh, there anything right, else that you would say to um, yourself back then? Of just you know, keep going. We hear that. Um, but anything else that that would be a takeaway for people that are feeling this way right now? Uh, just go back to the basics. Like it really doesn't have to be as complicated as a lot of folks are making it out to be. And and don't focus just on treatment because it's just not, it's not, you're going to end up relapsing really um, because uh, this lifestyle that we've got here is not conducive for health. Like it's a reason they call it the standard American diet, which is the sad diet, right? This fast paced artificial life, artificial light, toxins, you know, everywhere. And then what we've done to our food system and, and, and we're, most people aren't even eating real food anymore and wondering why their bodies and brains aren't working properly. So like, even when I start working with folks, I don't, we don't even start talking about any way sort of treatment until like three, six, nine months down the line until we've got the basics. Baseline. Yeah. The foundation set first, like otherwise, were you going to build a house on a rocky foundation? Like, no, we're going to clean that foundation up and we're going to make it solid. I joke, I came up with a meme a couple of weeks ago. I was really proud of myself. I'm like, yeah, my, uh, my self-care feels like a part-time job, but it's better than being full-time sick. Right. Yeah. You know, because and two, when I work with people, they're like, when can I go back to eating this? And when can I go back to doing that? I'm like, why would you want to? That's part of the reason you're here to begin with. Like yeah. you've got to put these foundations in and this is just life, right? This is, this is your life as you know it. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like my uh, self-care routine that I start Thursday night and goes Friday morning, like literally takes me two and a half hours, like every Friday morning. And I 
bless it. I look forward to it because I know that's what keeps me going. It's worth investing in yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Uh, so important to hear stories like yours because there are so many people that are in the, you know, they're in a dark spot right now because of there's they're sick and they're having cognitive issues and depression and everything. So uh, hearing from someone that's been through that where they can relate, but also is kind of on the other side of some of that is so good. So thank you so much. Um, going back to, so you're 13 uh, when you feel like you got um, sick, you got bit by that tick and then 15 uh, you had a suicide attempt and then symptoms kind of came after that. Can you walk us through how that progressed and what um, getting sick and um, and being sick during that time period was like, and you weren't diagnosed at this point, right? No, I didn't get diagnosed till I was 34. Okay. Um, so it, those times are a little bit harder because I dealt with a lot of cognitive decline and a lot of memory loss. There was yeah. um, a lot of addiction going on in my family. There was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of upheaval. Um, and so I think my brain out of out of self-protection just blocked a lot of that stuff out. Um, but I, I, I just remember a lot of like stomach issues, pain issues, knee, the knee issues was kind of crazy because I was a basketball player and my knee would swell up to like twice its size. And I'd go to the doctors, they couldn't find anything wrong. And, you know, like I said, just kind of slap band-aids on me and, you know, patch me up and off I'd go. And then I'd kind of crash and burn and kind of try to relook again and then patch, you know, more band-aids and crash and burn. And that was just kind of the cycle that I did for for decades until I finally got diagnosed. Well, you know, mentioning basketball, what other uh, passions or dreams did you have during that time that Lyme kind of well, <laughs> may, may have put pause on or, you know, uh, that, yeah, that I, uh, of that. I moved to Colorado from Wyoming to set up in-state tuition to CSU, which is one of the vet, best veterinarian schools in the country. And I was working as a vet tech at the time. And, uh, my brain fog had just gotten so bad and I almost killed a dog during a dental, um, because I turned on the uh, anesthesia before I turned on the oxygen. So I was making stupid little mistakes like that. And like intuitively I, I deep down, I, I knew this was something wrong, but I didn't know what it was. And so I, I quit and then, um, went down a whole weird, dark path after that, um, because I, that's all I ever wanted to be you know, since I was little was a veterinarian and then I, and then I couldn't be it, but I didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, so that was something huge that it definitely, I mean, completely sidelined, right. completely sidelined me for a very long time, uh, with that. So, yeah. Were you able to like, you know, that's basically what 20 years of being undiagnosed, um, you know, around that, um, were you able to work that whole time or were there periods where you weren't able to work or like, uh, I never, I still, to this day, do not understand how I managed. I, yeah. I don't, yeah. um, because I did work and I was, that was the other thing that I absolutely took away from me was my kid's childhood because mm-hmm. I was reactive. I was moody. You know, I remember one time a massage therapist, I was in getting a massage and she goes, oh, what kind of, what kind of medications are you on? I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like painkillers because you were like rock hard. I'm like, I don't take anything, but I was kind of a, a reactive blankety blank. Like I was not a nice person to be around for the most part. And, and, and living with me was like walking on eggshells. Cause I also had Bartonella. Right. So then I have the Lyme rage that go, you know, that goes along with it and that fun stuff. So, uh, 
I mean, my, I mean, my kid and I have been working for years trying to improve our relationship and um, over, you know, kind of, and for him, for people who don't have the chronic illness, it's really hard for them to understand. And it's really hard to, for kids, I think, to understand. Um, I think he tries, but I don't think he gets, you know, how truly sorry I am. And that if I could go back in time and, and change that for him, I would do it in a heartbeat, yeah. you know? So that, that I relate to, I relate yeah. to that so much. I have three kids and you know when I was sick I was really really sick for about 5 years and uh kept working but was barely able to function and I remember uh just a few years ago because I've only been better for about uh 4 years uh so maybe 2 2 years ago sat down with my kids and it just said hey I know this wasn't my fault but I I'm apologizing to you guys because this affected you guys big time. Um, I was moody. I wasn't available. I wasn't there the way that I wanted to be there. Um, and, you know, I have three kids, and they're different ages, and some of them understood and some of them didn't. So that is that is another thing that people don't really realize is like when you have kids, it affects them. So you know that you're affecting people, but it's not your fault. And so it's the hardest thing in the world to look back and and figure out how do I navigate those relationships and, and make sure that uh, they know that I love them, you know? I'm so ridiculously sensitive and anybody who know who like knows me, knows me, like I have got a ginormous heart and whenever I'm nasty like that and, and have hurt people like yeah. that genuinely, the guilt and the shame that I've carried. And so I've had a whole nother peeling layers of, of, of getting rid of that because that doesn't serve anybody either. And it actually will keep you sick, but you know, yeah, I mean the, your, the reactions and the way I've, I've treated folks in the past, you know, like I said, that was completely out of my control. Like it's, it's, um, it's, it's ridiculous. There was quite a few times I would tell my ex-husband, it was like an out-of-body experience where I, I literally, I could watch myself and, and just the toxins just spew and I'm watching myself and I'm like, Heather, stop, Heather, what are you doing? Heather, stop. Right. But they're, they're, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. Um, my husband now understands he doesn't take it personally. And I don't, I don't have those like I used to, you know, but my, my ex-husband would take it very personally and he would fight fire with fire. He was always there to put me in my place. And, you know, and I, and I used to tell him, I'm like, you know me, like if I'm acting that way, can you imagine how I'm feeling on the inside? Like, just put yourself in my shoes for two seconds. Imagine if I'm being that nasty to you, what is going on inside of me? Yeah. Right. And yep. he, he could never, he could never put himself in that place to where, like I said, thank God, my new husband's such a blessing and he's just been so um, patient. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's important to have people in your life that do try to understand, not that anyone's going to ever understand what right. you're going through uh, from a empathetic or, or, you know, real way, but um, it's so easy to be misunderstood because it's an invisible disease in so many ways and it affects so many things. And, and the way that it affects your brain is um, pretty intense and, um, and hard to understand from the outside. Um, I'm right there with you. Um, so this is, you know, so you've, you had this dream of becoming a veterinarian, you're playing basketball, um, but Lyme is, is kind of putting a lot of that stuff um, uh, on the back burner or unable to do some of it. And it's 20 some years and you finally are diagnosed. Um, can you tell us what your diagnostic journey looks like and what, how did that, how did you find out that you had Lyme? I have a, a good friend who's a psychologist and she was always kind of like tuned into some of the alternative practitioners around. And she had given me this name of this uh, physician's assistant 
you know, and I probably had it for about a year and I think I was like needing another talk down off the ledge moment. And she was like, you know, have you called her blah, blah, blah. Have you looked into it? And by that time I had kind of given up, you know, just rolled my eyes and was like, whatever, like, no, why would I contact her? Like, I'm not going to get any help. Like why? But I did. And uh, I drove to Denver, which is about 50 miles away from me to go see her. And I'm literally in her office for like five minutes. And she had this thick accent. I don't remember where she was from, but she's like, I know exactly what's wrong with you with like this twinkle in her eye. And I was like, (laughs) I'm calling BS lady. Like literally I've been here five minutes. What do you mean? You know, what's wrong with me? And she's like, I've Lyme disease. Have you ever been bit by a tick? And I was like, as a matter of fact, I have. And that was literally like it. And so I'm driving back home on the highway, just bawling, like tears streaming down my face. And I scream, I told you I'm not crazy. And I swear, I'm going to write this book. And that's going to be the title. I told you I'm not crazy. The realities of Lyme disease, because it, it just it over and over and over. I really would love to get away from that, that word to begin with. That's another campaign I'm starting is like, uh, you know, start talking about how your brain inflammation is showing. Let's stop calling people crazy, right? Because once they get slapped with that, with that, that diagnosis, that name, like you can't come back from that. You know, I get, you get fired for it and then you get a, a, a reputation. So, um, but yeah, I told you I'm not crazy. The realities of Lyme disease, like, so that was, that was it. And I'd like to say, and the, you know, and the rest was history. Like, no, that was just, <laughs> no, that was, <laughs> that was just the, the tip of the iceberg of just getting the name. And then um, <laughs> I went down, I, somebody gave me some bad advice and told me to watch under our skin, which is probably the most like traumatic freaking documentary about Lyme disease there's ever been made. Like I thought I was, I thought that was a death sentence after watching that. Like me and my husband, ex-husband and my kid at the time just sat there and bawled afterwards because we thought I was dead. Um, But that wasn't the case. And, you know, about Shortly, I would say about a year and a half, year after I got diagnosed is when I found FDN, um, functional diagnostic nutrition, mm-hmm. uh, because they were throwing, you know, anti-malarial drugs at me, a bunch of antibiotics. And I thought they were trying to kill me. I thought I was going to die. And there, can I jump in real quick? I just want to yeah. focus on a couple of things. So the mental health component, I know I keep coming back to this, but when you talked about, you know, you're crazy, it's all in your head. It makes me think of Ali Hilfiger in her book, Bite Me, right? Where she talks about she was literally institutionalized, forcibly institutionalized by her father, Tommy Hilfiger, right? And that was the indirect cause of her diagnosis. So she was institutionalized and then she started to say, okay, I think I need help. But she was mistreated by so many doctors, finally found a good psychologist who would work with her who said, I think you have Lyme disease, right? So I just think there's a need out there for the mental health field to have Lyme on mind more often, right? Because we interviewed a lot of psychologists, in, in fact, the leading neuropsycho- the neuropsychologist from New York City who specializes in Lyme and tick-borne diseases who believes every mental health condition has a physiological trigger, whether it's your microbiome, whether it's your Amen. whatever it is, right? So, I mean, he feels very strongly there's a connection between something physically in your body and your mental health. It's not disconnected, it's all connected. 
So I just think that's important to put out there that, you know, we need to continue to advocate for mental health professionals to have Lyme and tick-borne illnesses on mind because they could help us shortcut the diagnostic journey significantly because many of us end up as psychologists before diagnosis, right? So I just wanted to put that out there as well. Absolutely. So I was at a networking group earlier today for therapists and I'm sitting there going in the room. I'm like, ah, why am I here? This is, I don't belong here. This is weird. And then as they're all talking, I was like, no, 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 no. This is exactly where I belong because I need to be helping educate, you know, because I've got the functional practitioner side of it and I can, you know, kind of weasel my way in from that way so that they can hear me because, yes, they're all there. Oh, my gosh. They kept talking about their drugs and all this other stuff. And I thought my head was going to explode, you know, as I'm watching them eat their Jimmy John's with their, you know, they, their, their soda and their freaking sub and their cookie. <laughs> and they are talking about mental health. And I thought my head was going to explode. I'm like, keep your cool, Heather. Keep your cool. They can't hear you if you come off wrong. So just be pleasant being the nice person you know you can be like they just don't know any better right they really don't know any better um but yeah there was one guy sitting right next to me who uh, is an ex-addict and he's working in the addiction field and he's like well what could you do to help you know me because now i'm i'm craving sugar all the time and i'm like well it's you just swapped one addiction for another i'm like let's really look at your gut microbiome right what bad guys are helping you crave that sugar and you know what is your amino acids look like your neurotransmitters you know because if you were addict for so long they've probably been decimated you know so let's get them back online like yeah absolutely it's very much a physical approach and that's the part that they're that most that you know that's the only field that there's no real like they don't actually see the organ and they're not really testing yeah for it right they're just kind of let's try this antipsychotic well that didn't work let's try it with this antidepressant oh that didn't work let's try it. it's ah what and i, I want to get your opinion on a couple of things because obviously we we really respect your expertise we know you are super smart and you have so much knowledge but we also know that that science and and medicine is only so far right now and we need to make further leaps ahead right and some of these studies like I, i'm fascinated by the study that came out within the last year that looked at chronic Lyme patients, or as the CDC calls them, post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome patients, and they found a unique distinction in their gut microbiome, right? They had, I believe it was, and don't quote me the numbers, three, you know, a very high concentration of three inflammatory bacteria in their gut microbiome, and they were almost fully depleted in another handful of, of bacteria in their gut that are anti-inflammatory, and that was consistent among every single patient studied with chronic Lyme disease and that was not consistent in the control of a quote-unquote healthy person or an acute Lyme patient. So, I mean, right there, we're proving that there's a gut microbiome bacterial imbalance that is present in chronic Lyme patients. So what do you think that means from a diagnostic and also a treatment standpoint? You know, again, understanding that we're still trying to learn what all this means, right? Right. Well, and that's absolutely why that's foundation, you know? So everybody I work with gets a DNA test gets a stool test. And then I actually do this bioenergetic stuff because I've also found in my own experience that if you don't work on the past trauma, if you don't get the nervous system calmed down, right? When you get out of fight or flight, you get into rest and digest, you're not going to heal. So those are the foundations for, for everybody I work with. The DNA stuff is because I found out that, um, I have uh, detox pathway issues, like massive detox pathway issues and massive issues in my vitamin D and all three areas of my vitamin D. I don't, I don't, um, I don't uh, make it properly. I don't transport it properly and I don't store it properly. And so like, I mean, my brain just a little bit from, from being like 30 
to 50 is like the difference between night and day on how well my brain is operating with the vitamin D. And so I have to really stay on top of that. But these foundational things, I mean, absolutely that they're key. That's, that's, you know, that's where you start. Cause again, you could throw all the best antibiotics, the methyl blue, the, you know, you name whatever treatment you want to name. If you're not addressing the root cause of it, right. It's going to come back. It's going to, you're going to well, relapse. Let me, let me take a little bit deeper here. Right. Because so many people listening are thinking, well, Heather, how do I get these tests? My regular primary care physician, my neurologist, my infectious disease doctor, they're not going to give me a genetic test, right? We interviewed Bob Miller, who we love. He's just, yeah, I don't know if you know that Bob Miller, he's a geneticist who focuses on tick-borne illnesses. And he has, he has all this really cool testing, but how does the average Joe like me go and get a genetic test to see where I'm deficient, where I need to additional support? And it's not, none of this is the end of the world, right? You can supplement, you can do dietary changes to overcome a lot of these genetic you know, deficiencies or, or imbalances in our body, but knowledge is power. And the more knowledge we have, the more things we can do to balance out our bodies, to allow our bodies to heal. But how do we do that in today's you know, world where these doctors don't think like that? How do we go and find a doctor who can run a genetic test on us to give us information to make informed decisions on our healing? <laughs> Keep digging like, um, you know, acupuncturists, functional practitioners, you know, but the, the sad, funny part is, is that you even have to be careful with a lot of functional practitioners and even acupuncturists because they, they have a tendency to just change their prescription drug out for a supplement. Right. And they're still not getting to the root cause. Like I remember the first time I went to an acupuncturist, I left with over $200 of supplements, no explanation on how to take them properly and no explanation of no, again, talking about, well, what's your diet like, Heather? How are you sleeping at night? What's your stress level like? What are toxins in your house? Do you wear perfume? You know, all these, these questions that really should be brought up in an intake of, of, of just another piece to that person's health puzzle. And so, you know, looking for practitioners who are more functionally holistic minded that are talking to you about these foundational things, and then they can run the labs as well. But if you got one that's just wanting to run labs and stick you on supplements, like run, because it's going to cost you a ton of money and you're not, you're going to be on these supplements for forever. And you're going to end up, like I said, again, relapsing because you've never addressed the root cause. So an easy answer, I mean, there really isn't with that, because like I said, even in functional practitioners, we're not all built the same. Um, so, yeah. But, but, but I feel like this is, this is where I want to give you a plug, right? I mean, you are a functional practitioner and the people that it's scary thinking oh, yeah, it's yeah. difficult to find somebody. So people are listening. I'm sure I didn't realize I could plug and, myself. Oh, of course duh. you can. They can reach out to you. <laughs> and like, like, Heather, you're like, really smart. Can you help me here? I need some help. I need you to help me identify what labs I need, what genetic testing I need, what I need to do. So if you see how non-ego looking, I am, I'm like, oh, well, I, you got to dig and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, wait, I can I'm talk trying about to myself. you up here to, 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 you know, talk about your business and you know, and, and that comes later anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself and I'm jumping, you know, ahead of Pastor Dan here. But I mean, it's important because people listening want to know. Like, what specifically can I do? I'm really sick. My brain isn't working the way it should. I need help. I need somebody to guide me. And I believe you offer virtual services. You can help guide people, recommend certain tests to be done and help them find tune what they need to do if, if people are listening and want some guidance, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I work remotely. And so I can work with anybody almost anywhere. Um, you know, there's certain areas that don't allow uh, lab testing, like New York can be really hard to get labs in and out of, like it's dang near impossible. Tell me um, about it. 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like I, a lot of times I, I stopped actually when I saw like New York come up on my thingies, I'm, I'm like my intake forms. I'm like, I, I can't even work with you. Like I can't, but I, I, you know, I digress. I've actually found workarounds, not for the testing, but, you know, again, going back to the basics, because I found that in people with these chronic illnesses, they have a lot of the same similar story. Right. So a lot of times you can bypass those expensive labs. I still get a lot of people too. They're like, oh, I want to retest for Lyme. And I'm like, why? You just want to throw $1,500 away down the drain? Like you've got that money? Like why? Well, I want to know. Well, how are you feeling? Oh, I feel great. Well, then I I, I personally, I wouldn't waste your money on that test. Like, and I actually run a, a, there's an intake form from Cellcor that's free that I have all my clients do. And it'll actually kind of help me tease out whether it's Lyme or co-infections, mold, heavy metals, parasites, like it's actually quite beautiful. And I I love to start that because I was that Lyme client. I filed bankruptcy, you know, after getting better, I had to, you know, and then there was a few other times where I had to do the freaking GoFundMe Right. I, cause I was on welfare and on food stamps and couldn't afford the stuff. I still looking back, don't know how I afforded a lot of the stuff that I did, but I just, I knew that my faith, right. And my tenacity, I just wouldn't give up. And I do know that when there is a will, there is a way like period, end of story, even when it looks its darkest and you have no idea how you're going to afford that person. Like I ended up figuring it out and, and getting better. But so I've, I've put, you know, streamline that to where people don't have to spend you know, the $7,000 up front just on lab tests. Cause you know, we've got a lot can, of similar. Can, yeah. Yeah. You can I help can them save this. some money essentially. Right. I mean, a lot, exactly. a lot of doctors we talk to say, Hey, look, I can, I can clinically, you know, from my experience, I know I've seen patterns. I don't have to run a lot of labs. I can, I can tell you based on my experience and just talking to you and based on your, your description of what's going on, we should go down this path. Right. Yep, and, absolutely. and, you know, how'd you get through it and how, you know, obviously you were, you're an extremely strong, intelligent woman. Right. But is that is that Wonder Woman behind you? Rich is gonna get so mad because I'm not a comic book person at all, and Rich is a huge Marvel person. Is that Wonder Woman? Because I think it's a really it smart depiction of who you are. That is, and people <laughs> listening can't see the video, but there is a a, a painting behind you of I believe Wonder Woman, correct? Yeah, it's Wonder Woman. I, I it was funny because when I was younger, I, I had been told, you know, I've got dark hair and green eyes, and people were like, "Oh, you look like Wonder Woman," and um, and then you know, as I was in this fight, like in the depths of it you know, besides my faith, God, you know, I also had grace tattooed across my, my, my forearm to help remind me of God's grace for myself and for others. But, you know, I had to really, especially like when I said, like my ex-husband wasn't very supportive. Um, My family was absolutely not supportive. So I had to really put some faith in out things to really kind of help me get through the darkest of times. And there were times where, like I said, I really had to embody Wonder Woman right? Because she didn't show up like a victim. And even though, you know, all this bad stuff happened to her back on her home planet and all this other stuff, like she didn't show up as the victim. She still showed up in all her glory and badassness and kept fighting, you know, and I had to, you know, obviously I I wasn't great at it because I'd still, you know, have the suicide attempts and the thoughts and and stuff like that. But for a a lot of it, you know, uh, other parts of my room, I've got a lot of shrine to Wonder Woman. So, yeah. Well, I do want to tell you if it weren't the fact that we love the word Lime Boss, as you know, Rich is, is uh, already, you know, is, is fascinated. That's his shadow Instagram account is Lime Boss. 
But if that weren't such an awesome name in your, your business name, we, we would be naming this podcast episode Wonder Woman because that's how powerful and strong we think you are. But I think line boss is better for you because you are a boss, right? You are a line boss. And I'm going to I'm going to digress again. So I keep I keep taking this forward. But Pastor Dan was talking to you about when you first got diagnosed, you went through all the traditional treatment. You mentioned the malarone, the anti malaria medication, probably for, for Babesia. You did all the traditional antibiotics and it just wasn't cutting it for you, right? So if you could just go back to that, tell us, were you feeling any better? And then at what point did you decide you had to pivot and make a change and why? No better. I mean, like I might have like glimpses of days and then I would just tank for weeks. And um, that's when I thought that that was the, actually the sickest I'd ever been. If I had was ever bed bound, it was during treatment. Um and because we had a, a young kid and my husband at the time, my ex-husband didn't make enough, you know, I had to work. So there was no, there was no, I could, I could be bed bound. Like that wasn't an option. And then I remember walking into a Lyme support group and just the pure toxicity of that group of there is no hope. And they were like wearing that diagnosis, like a badge of honor, like a security blanket. And I walked out of there feeling just disgusting. Like I would need to, I felt like I needed to take a shower. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to get better, <laughs> I'm going to have to do the exact opposite of what all these folks over here are doing. All right. So what, what am I going to do? And I remember listening to a podcast um, at the time where uh, the founder of FDN, Reed Davis, was talking about, you have to heal the gut. You have to make sure the detox pathways are open. You need to balance the hormones. And intuitively, because I was a hairstylist for 15 years before this, um, so I hadn't really no medical background, but intuitively, like that made sense. And I remember begging my ex-husband because at the time you go through the program and it's still actually set up that way, but you go through the program and you do labs on yourself um, as part of the program. So like you're your first guinea pig. And so I knew I'm going to get answers one and two, I'm going to get a new career out of this, which I needed because doing hair for 15 years being with an inflamed body, like my body, I was breaking down. I couldn't even hold a fork to feed myself because my hands and my wrists were just going out on me. So I was like, cool, kill two birds with one stone. And um, that's re really what started the, the next part of that journey was, was listening to that podcast and jumping into FDN and, you know, finding out that I had blastocystis hominis, which is a really uh, common parasite for people who have animals, right? Mm -hmm. That cause a lot of bloating and gastrointestinal uh, issues. And I had uh, mold issues. And the, like I said, the detox pathways and found out I was celiac and had Hashimoto's and endometriosis and like all the layers started to get peeled back. And I was just like, I remember at the time being so totally pissed off and angry for so long looking back at the medical field because it's like well it's a no wonder I felt like I was going to die during treatment because you can't take a person who's been sick for decades and go to war with their body like that's just a recipe for disaster right and 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 that's why I'm so adamant about anytime people are like oh what'd you do for treatment what'd you do for treatment I'm like no 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 <laughs> there's some no. things that needed to happen before we got to that yeah right don't jump ahead. Don't jump ahead. Trust me. Don't jump ahead. And mentally, I mean, you've, you've spoken to this a little bit, but it sounds like you gave yourself grace um, for your own health, but also like didn't view yourself as a victim um, like this support group did. Can you talk a little bit about the, the just the mental attitude that you think someone going through this should have um, in order to be um, successful and diligent in, in figuring out their health stuff? Yeah. I mean, the victim card you have got to get rid of. 
And I, I wore it for a while. I absolutely did. Cause like I said, I had a lot of early childhood trauma. I had a lot of things that I was never validated for. And, um, that survivor, that victim, it served me for a long time. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially growing up in that kind of a field, but I I had to, again, you know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So if I wanted to get better, I had to do something and put that victim card down and become the creator of my own reality, right. Become that person. And that, yes, I mean, that number one, like, yes, you've got a disease and it's horrible. And it sucks that you had all these years taken from you. Like, absolutely. And we need to grieve that. And we need to move on if we're going to get better because you can't stay stuck in victim. You can't stay stuck in what doctors didn't diagnose you properly and who screwed this up and what that like, eh, you got to get rid of it all in order to get better. You can't stay in that victim mentality and expect to get better. Heather, can we, can we just expand upon that? I'm sorry, Pastor Dan. I just want to, for me, this was a really hard concept to grasp, right? Because <laughs> I felt, I felt like, I was betrayed. I was let down. Oh, I was told by, I mean, I had, I've shared this in this podcast. I had, I was in the hospital after having a seizure that was, they thought was going to cause brain damage. It was so bad. And it was scared in my mind and have one of my best friends come to visit me and had the nurse tell my best friend that I'm crazy. If I don't, if, if I don't calm down and take a vacation, I'm going to end up in the psych ward. Right. And yet here I am many years later now getting diagnosed when I could have been treated and addressed all this much, much earlier on. Right. So this whole victim mindset, I understand where it comes from because there's so much trauma in Lyme disease with the controversy and tick-borne illness. I get it. Right. But also being a victim and, and having that, that anger and having those hard feelings, it holds you back from healing. Right. And that's how I look at it personally. Absolutely. And I didn't, if you said this to me years ago, I would have been so offended. And I would have been like, I'm, <laughs> sauce. I'm not listening. How dare you? But, but uh-huh. for our own personal best interest, we have to accept the fact that our emotions have an impact on our physical health. And if we harbor this, this identity or this resentment or this anger towards our illness, right? And, and we just, we, we get stuck there. We're going to be in a state in our bodies where we're tense, we're in fight or flight, and we're not going to be able to heal. We're not going to think properly. We're not going to think logically because when you're in fight or flight, you don't think logically. So it's a responsibility of us as patients to recognize that and try to change that. And I'm not saying we didn't have a hard go at it. We did, right? I mean, we were mistreated. There is medical trauma, but we need to work on that, right? I think it's a really important concept. And I just wanted to expand upon that. And see if you, you, if you have passed the Dan Heather, could just maybe explore that a little bit deeper because it's a really hard pill to swallow. Like I need to just move on and forgive those people. And they, many of them tried their best, but just didn't know any better, right? It, it's a hard pill to swallow, but I really think it's an important topic to discuss. And um, I think the two of you are the perfect people to discuss it with. I mean, you talk all the cliches, you know, it's a hard pill to swallow or you can get bitter or you can get better, you know, like, absolutely. I mean, that kind of, uh, that kind of, uh, the victim, it keeps like this seething anger. It's like this bubbling, you know, toxin that kind of always is kind of reactivating everything and living in you. And so absolutely. There were times I couldn't hear it for a while because I, I was like in my head, well, I am a victim, you know, unlike, you know, I used to compare it to alcoholism because I grew up with a lot of addicts and I always used to see that as that they would do that to themselves, right? They would do that to themselves. They would pick that drink up and they would do that to themselves. I was bit by a tick, right? And I was a kid. Like, how can you tell me, you know, but again, I had, yes, I was absolutely justified and I could uh, explain the crap out of that. And, but 
at the end of the day, I had to, I had to put that down. I had to put that story down if I wanted to get better, like period, end of story. That was just like no way around it. Um, you know, there were, like I said, the early childhood trauma, the, the crappy diet, the stress, the staying up too late. I was also a smoker, you know, I was a drinker, I was a party girl, you know? So, I mean, not at 13, (laughs) I was after, but, um, you know, so there were, there were things that kind of, uh, I contributed right to the, to getting this and then not getting better. Right. I wasn't at like a complete, just total innocent bystander. Like there was, there was my part in it. And regardless of who did what to who, that doesn't matter. Like you just have got to leave that part that you have to let it, you just got to let it go. Get it to God. Right. Yeah. I remember a couple, uh, you know, when I was in the middle of Lyme disease, I knew a couple people that had gotten better. And um, it was interesting because they had almost forgot that they were really sick with Lyme disease because mentally they had not been a victim themselves. And so for me, it was a wake up call of like, whoa, if they got through that and didn't view themselves as a victim. So those things are true. I was misunderstood. Um, It wasn't fair that I had Lyme disease. Uh, It affected my family's life. It affected my life, affected my job, affected everything. All those things are unfair. That's true. I still think that all that stuff is true. And at the same time, I wanted to get better. And so like to decide mentally, man, I'm going to do what it takes to get better. And I'm going to uh, get, you know, uh, help through therapy to put these feelings and these thoughts um, outside of my amygdala into a normal part of my brain to be able to um, look at it objectively and not be in fight or flight all of the time. Um, it it takes a decision that um, that you're just deciding I'm going to uh, not view myself this way. I can name those things as truly unfair and as wrong and everything else. And at the same time, uh, not view myself as a victim. Uh, and so that's, that's really cool to hear that, um, you felt the same way and just chose, I'm going to do what it takes to get better. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's actually one of the questions on my intake form right off the bat is, do you believe you can get better? Right. Um, because belief, that mindset, it, it, it actually makes up like 90%. You could have the most beautiful protocol in the whole wide world, but if you do not believe you can get better, if you do not believe you deserve to get better, or if you stuck in this victim mentality, it's not going to work. So you've kind of talked a lot about um, just, you know, resetting your body, making sure mentally that you're healthy uh, and, and doing that preventative care, really. Um, and so was there a point that you got to actual treatment that helped you um, move over the hump of, of that Lyme disease and of how that was affecting you? And, and can you describe what getting better looked like, I guess, beyond even just some of that preventative stuff? So layers, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so FDN graduate completely changed my life in three months. Like I was a completely different person in three months, like lost like 65 pounds was out of pain. Like it was ridiculous what happened in such a short period of time. And then I went through a divorce and then I blew up my life and went on this like weird hiatus like journey, but kind of went backwards to old party girl. And when I didn't have my kid, I was out drinking and partying and looking for love in all the wrong places, you know, to fill that hole, that void that I was um, filling. Um, And I relapsed and had relapsed quite a few times in that seven years. But then part of that relapse was that I also found out, like I said, afterwards. So after I had started feeling so much better, I, uh, 
like hit seemed to hit some sort of a plateau. And that's when I found out I had issues with mold and detoxing mold. And that was another piece, another layer I had to peel back. And then fast forward a few more years, like I said, then I, I blow things up. I relapse, but then I also found out that I have cavitations. So when I had my wisdom teeth removed when I was 15, they left some stuff behind, which is pretty common, and it caused infection trapped in my jaw. So I actually had another practitioner. She was kind of a hands-on practitioner, and she's like, you know, and I didn't even tell her about this. And she goes, you keep focusing on the line, but until you get this infection taken care of, like you're not going to get any better. Like this is a slow, low level infection that's, you know, very close to your brain that your body's constantly trying to, trying to deal with, and it can't deal with anything else because of this. So then I had to go in and have the mercury taken out and the cavitation surgery done and all that fun stuff. And then, um, and then I got a lot better. And then um, I met my new husband and we're dating and I can't remember what was going on at the time. I think it was just going back to old ways of kind of drinking and partying again. And I started to relapse again and I put on like 80 pounds. I was inflamed. I was angry. I was back to being kind of that, that walking on eggshells person. And I was kind of picking on his son one day and he looked at me. He's like, I love you to death. And I don't know what we can do for you, but I'm not going to be married to an angry person anymore. He's like, you've got to figure this out. And that's when it came to that last little kind of layer that I peeled back and it was talking about the trauma and the nervous system dysregulation, mm-hmm. because I never, you know, especially being a, a, a functional practitioner, right? I was great when it came to the physical, like I had no problem. You want me to do 10 coffee enemas today? Got it. <laughs> right. But you want me to talk about my feelings and like move through some of that trauma, like forget about it. But that's really that last little layer. And was, it was prompted by him and thank God that it was, he just didn't leave me, he gave me the opportunity. And then he backed me fully, you know, so I became a somatic experiencing coach and I learned about DRNS and um, heart math. And like I said, now I have a new bioenergetic scan that I do for folks that are, it's like a gentle way in. To I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump in. I'm sorry again, but these are really important terms you're throwing out there. Can you just, each one you just describe to give us a little detail about what they are, somatic experience, et cetera and what they are, how they work, and how our listeners can learn more. And again, I want you to tout yourself here because you are an expert in all of these things and you can provide services, but these are really powerful tools. And I don't think many people realize what they are, how they work, and how these tools can help them in their healing journeys. Yeah. So with anything chronic like Lyme and mold, especially mold is one of the most insidious ones for turning on the nervous system, fight or flight. It's like a fire in the building, right? There's a fire and the fire alarm's going off, fire alarm's going off. But now you're out of the mold, you've detoxed everything and the fire's put out, but nobody shut off the fire alarms. And so that's what was going on with me. And the, and so DRNS um, is a way, it's a, a therapy that you do for like an hour a day for very, you know, multiple days. It can take like three, six, nine months sometimes to unwind some of this stuff that's going on in your nervous system. I was like, nah, that's too hard. That's too long. <laughs> I got to find a better way. So then I looked into somatic experiencing work and I met uh, Dr. Amy Apigian and she's got the biology of trauma and she's a functional practitioner who kind of married this, this somatic experiencing work with the functional work that I just fell in love with. But they're like these little exercises. They literally take like 30 seconds a day. You do them several times a day and it just gets that vagus nerve. It just, it, it resets your nervous system. It gets you out of fight or flight and into rest and digest. And, um, I did a 21 day journey with her and was completely, my nervous system was completely different after that. 
And then so heart math is more around some uh, heart variability um, and the coherence between the brain and the heart. And it has a lot to do with breath and getting into the body and just becoming aware because most of us aren't aware. So if anything, all these things are teaching you how to be in your body and be aware right? Because most of us are just missing the signals because we go, go, go. So much stimulus is going on. I mean, we eat in front of the TV. We're on the run here. I mean, how many times do you like drive somewhere and you don't even remember how you got there because you're just on autopilot to where these, these, these exercises teach you how to get back in your body and how to read those signals that your body's trying to teach you because your body is constantly giving you signals. But we've We've put band-aids over that check engine light for so long, right? Every freaking antacid commercial, diarrhea commercial, Tom's, like all that, all that over-the-counter stuff. That's just band-aids over your freaking check engine light. Your body's been trying to tell you for years, yo, dummy, there's something going on in here. But we just keep throwing stuff at it and suppressing all those symptoms. And then we end up with something big like cancer and, you know, mold toxicity and, and Lyme and all this other stuff. And we wonder why, but... Yeah. So Heather, let's talk a little bit more about HRV and our body signals, right? Because we, I can say from experience, and I think a lot of our listeners can, it's really hard to read your body after being desensitized and having all this trauma. It's like almost you become like a zombie, right? Mm -hmm. So there are tools out there to help us gauge what's going on in our body. And we interviewed Freddie Kimmel, who is, we love Freddie. He has a podcast of his own, Beautifully Broken Podcast. And he taught us about HRV, heart rate variability, and a lot of tools and technology you can use, like the Aura, to be able to keep track of that through an app on your phone, right? Where if you're having trouble reading your body signals, and for our listeners, if you can get a little bit deeper into this, like what is HRV? How does it contribute to your health and, and your, you know, your recovery from Lyme disease? And what are some specific tools people can use to track that to see how they're doing with calming down their nervous system and managing, you know, their heart rate variability. I think it's really cool to talk about these tools that help us get a better insight into our, our body signals. And over time, we can almost like become mastery ourselves, you know, master these skills ourselves and learn from the technology and the tools we can use to, to get there. Right. Right. No, absolutely. I love tech for this stuff. I, I geek out on like on learning. I love data. Right. Um, so heart rate variability, it was fascinating when you hook the um, heart math up to your ear and then you hook it up to your computer and then it's got this little thing that you breathe in and out with, right? And if you're in coherence, it'll, it'll go green, ding, green, green, green. And then if you're out of coherence, it'll go blue. And then if you're really out, it's red. And so it, it, it teaches you, and then you get that nice little dopamine hit too. Like, okay, I got to get it back to green, but sometimes the harder you try to get back to green, it just keeps making it red, but that's like the whole point of it. So I just got to relax, right? Like stop trying to do something. And that's the biggest problem with a lot of folks too. We've stopped, you know, we're human, uh, stop being human beings and we've been human doings for so long. Do, 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 do. Um, but yeah, like the aura ring, I want one so bad. It's just not been in the budget for a while, but I want one so bad because I, I want to know like, what's, what's my, what, did, how did I sleep last night? And how is that going to affect me today? You know, what's my day going to look like today because of it? And, you know, if I ate this at this time, you know, how's that's going to affect me? Like it all is connected and it absolutely affects. And I love, love, love anytime you can get some like hardcore data to correlate with what's going on. It really then teaches you, like you said, of, of here's are the signs and symptoms. And now 
So like I've been a, a hardcore business owner for the past year and a half, two years, almost two years and building a business. This, I swear to God, this was almost tougher than actually overcoming Lyme disease. Is This has been so hard, so hard. And I've really had to, I'm glad that I dialed that stuff in because when I've been hitting it really hard and grinding, 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 like my body's sending up these signals and I'm like, oh, okay, I hear you. I'll calm down. I'll rest. You know, I'll take a break. Um, and before in the past, I would, I would miss those signals. I would completely, they wouldn't even register. And then I would crash and burn and be out for days, you know? So um, I love the fact that I've, I'm now in tune, right. With what's going on in my body and I can, anything comes up and I can start to head it off at the past instead of just being kind of a victim of the circumstance, right. I'm now a little bit more in control of my health journey. I've got some apps to buy now. I didn't know yeah. about this. Oh my gosh, Thank they're you. incredible. <laughs> I at least said I want the aura so bad. And that's, can you explain, that's a ring that you yeah, wear? Yeah, it's, it's a ring that you wear, yep. And you know, a lot of folks that are EMF sensitive, that one's actually pretty decent for 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 people who, I've not heard a lot of people have issues with that one because like um, Fitbits, I kind of have a thing with Fitbits because they have a tendency to be a little bit higher in EMFs. And a lot of us that have chronic sicknesses, we don't detox things well, and we don't deal with EMFs very well. And we are an electromagnetic being, and right. And so to have something that's constantly emitting elect, you know, electronics on you, like it can be really disruptive to your whole system. So I'm not a, like a fan of like a Fitbit, but aura rings are a little bit more on the gentle side as far as that kind of stuff is concerned. And then heart math is just something that you do, you know, like three to five minutes a day you know, you kind of clip yourself up to a little, it's an alligator clip that you clip up to your ear, you know, and you do your little exercises. Um, but they're super, super beneficial. Like it, it's amazing to me how little time it takes and what, you know, small steps add up to big changes down the line. But so many people, they get kind of overwhelmed with a lot of this stuff. And, you know, when I start working with them, I tell them like, you know, this is like, one, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? Like, let's not try to look at the whole big picture. Let's, you know, let's put little pieces in place one by one as we go, you know, and then from a year from now, like your life is going to be completely different, you know, than what it was a year from now. And, it, it, but it just takes taking that first step. And so many folks just kind of get analysis paralysis and they get kind of froze with that first step, but yeah. I guess, Heather, my, my next question is like, how are you feeling now? I mean, um, uh, do you feel like you're, you're through the, the, you know, being sick with Lyme disease? Like, Absolutely. How, how are you doing? <laughs> Absolutely. I haven't relapsed in two years. This is the longest I've gone. And, you know, and even when I got COVID, yeah, I kicked my butt for like two weeks, but I knew that it would because I found out from this DNA stuff that I don't detox properly. And actually there was something in my system that doesn't allow me to deal with the COVID very well either. And so I knew, and I like threw everything at it too. I, all my tools, I was so pissed that I was so sick for so long, but um, I came out of it the other side. And, you know, that was literally like the only time I've really been sick in two years and no sign of, of, of relapse because I, I very religiously have got these self-care things put in place and it's non-negotiable, like period, non-negotiable anymore. Um, and there's been a few times where I've gotten, I was working for a doctor who I was kind of overworking myself, or even there's been a few times where I was like trying to finish up a certification at the same time, trying to build my business. And there was a few times where I went like three weeks, like hardcore, no days off, like stupid long days. 
And my body was like, uh, keep this up and I'm going to take you out. And I'm like, okay, I, I hear you. Um, but I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't relapsed. I haven't had a flare in over so two years. The layers of treatment that, um, that helped you overcome Lyme are also the things that you feel like are keeping you healthy right now. It's same Absolutely. stuff. Same Absolutely. Stuff. Absolutely. And even after I've, 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 um, recleaned everything up the last couple of years, I've never had to go back and like retreat. You know, I thought about, you know, checking out herbals and checking out other things, but I haven't had to retreat because I'm keeping my immune system so healthy and keeping my body like a well-oiled machine, right? That it it's keeping everything else at bay. It's keeping, you know, my immune system is keeping everything in check like it's supposed to, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that, and that's why, because I know if I start, and it, that's the part about my path that, you know, kind of sucks sometimes. And every now and then I'll have a little bit of a pity party because it's like, because of these genetic issues, like I don't detox toxins. I don't detox like people with, with perfumes on, it makes me sick can knock me out. I have to eat organic. Like it literally said that in my DNA test, I have to eat organic. I'm not high maintenance. Like some people made me out to be, you know, with my filtered water and organic <laughs> food. And they thought I was just some like, you know, hoity toity snob. It's like, no, literally like if I eat that crap, I'm going to get sick. And I just had to come to grips with it of like, okay, I for years, actually, that's the one I, I kind of, I fought the most. I'd feel a little sorry for myself that I've been so broke now for so long. Like I haven't been on vacation. I don't get new clothes. Um, I'm mm -hmm. building a business, which is expensive. And these things that I put into place are expensive and I'm thriving, right? I have a beautiful relationship with my husband. I have a great relationship with my kid and I get to experience this beautiful gift called life every single day. So yeah, it's you're investing in yourself. You're investing in your health. Absolutely. Absolutely. Number one, non-negotiable. I do not do. Yeah. Like the most you'll ever see me go without doing some of these things might be like four or five days if I've, I, you know, I had to do a business trip. And so I wasn't like in my elements and couldn't take care of myself like I normally would, but that's the most I would ever go. Other than that, like it is non-negotiable. Awesome. This question uh, would have been a weird question for me in the middle of Lyme disease, but um, I think, you know, as someone that's made uh, so many strides to be, you know, hundred percent sent healthy where you're at right now. Um, I want to ask what part of the Lyme journey has been beautiful and taught you about yourself and uh, the world that only suffering can teach, you know? So where do you see right. that? I know it's so funny because I actually have a, a Lyme support group. I have a, on Facebook and uh, every now and then I'll talk about the gifts of Lyme. And every time I say it, I always get people like, I'm sorry, what did you say? And I'm like, no, you heard me. The gifts of Lyme. Because, all right, so let's get a little ah, personal. So before I was diagnosed and back when I said I was a party girl, I was also an exotic dancer um, and was one for six years. And I was on a really self-destructive, horrible path. Like it just, you know, it's kind of par for the course, if you will, for somebody who had early childhood trauma, sexual abuse, stuff like that. It's, it's just kind of set you up for that way of life. Um, if it wasn't for this disease, there's no, I would be dead. I would be dead anyway. Like if this disease didn't kill me because that lifestyle was going to kill me, I was running so hard, so fast, burning the candle at both ends, just living like a rock star. 
never slowing down to appreciate anything. It's hard to explain, but it just gave me a whole different appreciation of life, right? As being a gift, like most people don't, you know, anybody who has not had a near death experience, they do not have the same appreciation for life that we do. Like period, end of story. They just don't because they can't relate. They don't know what it's like to not have it. Um, so now that I've been on the other side and seeing that contrast, because a lot of times that's what it takes to in life to kind of wake yourself up is to have that contrast. You know, you've had the dark night of the soul and then now it's the light, right? The death, the rebirth, the Phoenix, the, you know, God rising from, you know, um, his tomb, like it, it, it's all a death and rebirth. And, you know, I had to crash and burn and die to be the person I am today. And all of the experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of them you know, not to sound too cliche, but I mean, that's how, why I am the person I am today and how I can help and how I show up because I, I understand on, on levels that without going through what I've gone through, you, you wouldn't understand. And so no, the gifts of Lyme are, are huge and I'm taking care of myself in a way that's not normal, which means that, you know, I know I'm going to be able to keep my brain for a lot longer than a typical person out there. Cause people are, um, being okay with uh, being diagnosed with dementia and Alzheimer's, like at the age of 40 and 50, like mm. these things have become like normal, right? This, the, the, the anxiety, the depression, all the stuff, the school shootings, like all the stuff is becoming normalized as I am pulling back the layers and going, no, this is not normal. And this is not my story. And this is not how I'm going to go down. So, I mean, it is an absolute, it's been an absolute gift. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's, I feel the same way with my life. I mean, I, I slowed down. I was a workaholic. I had other priorities. I slowed down, felt like I was going to die, appreciate life, appreciate my family, appreciate the people that were there for me, um, clarified what kind of people need to be in my life in the future and um, allowed me the chance to be there for others going through similar things. So um, it is weird to say, you know, I'm thankful for going through Lyme, but I love that, um, that you have that phrase, the gifts of Lyme. That's, I'm going to use that. It's really cool. Um, so many great quotes here. The gifts of Lyme, the Lyme boss, right? Wonder Woman, all these things that I just love. Would, I would love to name this episode. We can only do one. I just have to say, you guys have been brilliant, right? Heather, you're amazing. Pastor Dan, you're amazing. And I just want to make sure we get out there because so many people listening to this, Heather, are going to want to find out how to reach out to you. So what are you on social media? What's your social handles? What's your website? How can people find you and get in touch with you if they want to work with you or partner with you or just learn more about you? Awesome. So you told me when this was going to go live and I was trying to think, cause I got, I'm not kidding. Like today I'm in the middle of a rebrand, like literally, but I think once this goes out, I should be up and running and it it's easy as the lineboss.com. Um, or you can email me at Heather at the lineboss.com. So I'm trying to make it really easy. You can find that, um, Facebook group, um, uh, at Lyme boss. It's already Lyme boss right now. Unraveling the secrets of Lyme disease. Um, because I feel like it's been shrouded in mystery for so long, right. That I wanted to help shed some light on it. So yeah, if you just Google Lyme boss and Heather, you know, something should come up and uh, you should be able to get a hold of me. If you go to my website, there is a, a six, seven video part series on, um, real cooking for real life, because that seems to be the biggest 
hang up I found that when people are on this journey and they've like they've been eating fast food and heating up crap in the microwave for so long that when I ask them to cook they look at me like I'm an alien with two heads so I went and I made a cooking series right really educational um funny um but it's you know teaching them how to make these healthy meals a lot of times under 20 minutes right it doesn't have to be like this crazy laborious like mystery thing. Like it's, let's get back to basics folks. Let's get back in the kitchen and let's cook. And so I made a, that's one of my little freebies that I posted on my website. So you download that and learn a lot. Well, Heather, we can't thank you enough for joining our Tick Bootcamp podcast. I've learned so much from you. You have made my weekend. I can't thank you enough. This has been a brilliant podcast. Pastor Dan, we knew you were going to be good, but you even exceeded my expectations. You were just brilliant on this podcast. So the two of you are absolutely amazing individuals. And thank you both so much for coming on and sharing with the Take Bootcamp podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. Like I said, this has been like, I've been looking forward to this like Christmas for like months. I was like, I mean, and whoever I was talking to on your guys' social, I'm like, when's my appointment again? And oh, I gotta wait. Oh, when's my appointment again? Like, dude, this is this is better for, than Christmas for me. Like I, from the bottom of my heart, like thank you for allowing me to to share and be on here with you. And I agree with Matt. Thank you, Heather. Like, I can't wait for your website rebrand to be all done because I'm going to go in there and dig and just maybe reach out to you on some things. So thank you so much, Matt. So thankful that you would have me back here. Thank you for listening to our Tick Bootcamp interview with our guest, Heather Gray. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn about Heather, please visit her Instagram at the underscore lime underscore boss or her website at thelimeboss.com. Second, if you've enjoyed this episode of Tick Bootcamp Podcast, please share it with your friends on social media. And third, Tick Bootcamp has created a Tick Bite blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at tickbootcamp.com forward slash bite to view the blueprint. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on your podcast platform of choice. And finally, if you'd like to search our podcast library of almost 350 episodes, subscribe to our email list, or share feedback, please visit our website at tickbootcamp.com. Thank you, as always, for listening.